Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato Show here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I'm your host Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Stefano Mercury from Get Italian Football News, Axel Falk from Get German Football News and Graham Mayland from Get French Football News. We'll start in France this evening with a high-profile youngster, which seems to happen a lot in France, to be fair, at the moment, attracting foreign interest, Grant, and an Italian club is eyeing up the Lyon man, uh, Tange Undombele. What can you tell us? Yeah, after a lot of reports linking Undombele to Tottenham earlier this summer, the most recent reports are connecting Undombele with AS Roma. Um, it's actually a very interesting move, but at the time it seems a little unlikely. We've seen polarizing Olympic Lyonnais president Jean-Michel Aulas respond to tweets kind of linking the two, Ndombele and Roma. In response, he said, I don't think Roma can do it. And in a cheeky nature, he added a laughing, crying emoji, which makes one think that he's fairly pessimistic that um, Roma will actually have the cast to shell out for the amount that he'd be looking for, his talented young French midfielder. Um, the reports linking Ndombele and Roma were originally suggesting that Ndombele would be replacing Maxime Gonalons, himself a former Lyon midfielder. But it's an interesting suggestion given the fact that the two players aren't all that similar. Ndombele is, of course, a much more dynamic player than Gonalons. He's a much more box-to-box with a, a stronger work rate, one might say. So if you're trying to suggest that he would replace a player in Roma, I think a more suitable replacement replacement would be Rajan Angolan. Of course, the two midfielders both have great work rates. They like to get involved in both defense and attack, and they both excel at pushing the ball forward to kind of spearhead attacking movements. Comparing the two, Ndombele does have a slightly better defensive output in Ligon than Rajan Angolan does have in Serie A. He averages right around in the offensive role is a pretty integral part. I would say he's also a relatively underrated dribbler. He has a great ability to get out of difficult situations thanks to his talent on the ball. We don't see that quite as much in Liga in the attacking third for Lyon, but more so in his own half when he's being pressed by opposition attackers. He does a great job of kind of escaping that press with a quick flick or a dribble move. And Dombele does have a great range of passing, although you could suggest that Nangolan does complete more long balls and creates more chances. However, Ndombele does provide six assists in Ligue 1. I would suggest that he's truly a complete midfielder and if he can add goals to his game he'll be an even scarier midfielder for Roma if he does transfer there. Mm, it's an interesting move and one Stefano that uh, obviously wants to bring your opinion here should Roma end up doing it although uh, our classic Jean-Michel Olas uh, watch is saying that AS Roma aren't quite good enough to bring him in we'll wait and see obviously but they obviously allowed Rajanayin Golan to leave this summer, he seems like an ideal replacement. He does. Um, he fits the profile of a lot of Roma targets uh, the last few weeks. Um, you know, they're trying to go with a lot of younger players, um, you know, going forward. Obviously, replacing Nangolan would be key. Um, he's obviously up there in age. Uh, I think that's why, you know, they, they want to replace him. You know, they want to get fresh young faces in the lineup. Um, I haven't seen much of uh, Dumbele's play at all, to be honest with you. But um, I did, you know, I did some research into him, and you know, like like you mentioned, you know, very complete midfielder. Um, 21 years of age, right? You always look at uh, the age part factor. 
um, young. So it could be an ideal uh, target for Roma. But, um, you know, I've heard a lot of names getting thrown around. Um, I know Defrel was just uh, sent to Sampdoria. So I, I think they do need another midfielder. I know Leon Bailey was also thrown through in there as well as uh, rumors. So you know we'll see what uh, what brings uh, Roma you know into the midfield. Absolutely, and uh, I'm just reminded of those Undombele performances against Paris Saint Germain earlier this season. If he can bring that to Roma, they would be absolutely delighted. But let's head to Germany now, Axel, and um, there's another Croatian catching the eye of Jose Mourinho. Another summer, another Croatian, but this time in the form of Ante Rebic. What can you tell us about a potential deal for the Eintracht Frankfurt man? Well, it seems to be a transfer. Um, about I, I think it seems to be around 40 50 million uh, euros, um, which would be quite astounding for Andrew Frankfurt, who of course signed him from Fiorentina for only I think two million euros, uh, early, early basically earlier this summer. Um, they announced that he signed him, um, this spring, but of course, the transfer first went through in, in, in the beginning of July, so um, to Gain a profit of around 40 million for a player of anti Rebic class would be quite amazing for a club like Frankfurt, of course. Um, he's extremely tenacious, uh, anti Rebic, uh, quick, good with the ball, technical. Um, but if Mourinho is looking at him as a goal scoring option, I would probably tell him to look somewhere else because anti Rebic has scored 13 goals in the last two seasons. Um, which I would say isn't good enough for Manchester United. But he does have an extremely good um, defensive work rate, which I am pretty sure that Jose Mourinho would, would uh, definitely prefer to have in his squad. Um, Andre Frankfurt would do well to sell him for 40 or 50 million because he's 25 years old, you know, and he won't get much better than he is right now, possibly like a bit. But this is possibly the height of his ability and um, it should be yeah it should be quite an easy option for them to sell um, uh, to Manchester United if they would come knocking with which it seems like they are Especially at that amount isn't it that's the thing Axel that that it's it's a tough amount if if United were to stump up that kind of fee to turn down for a for a club like Frankfurt, but at the same time, is he someone that is completely irreplaceable for them? Well, obviously they lost Marius Wolf as well this summer. A few other players maybe looking at the exit door, but with Kovac gone. But at the same time, he's not completely irreplaceable. The thing is, he wasn't even. He was first choice, but he wasn't. Um, I mean, no, no player under Kovac was firm, uh, a firm starting player. He he, he likes. To, to you know, switch around and test a few other players. Um, but I mean, we, we, Frankfurt does have quite a few good options on the wings. They are looking to sign a winger as well. They just signed Chico Gerales from um, Sporting, um, who is of course more like midfield type, but he can play in the wings well. So he's not at all irreplaceable, and for that money, it should be a very easy option for them. Um, so yeah, it's it's it would be re- replaceable and it would be very good money for a club like Eintracht Frankfurt. 
Yeah, and especially for the transfer business they did last summer, you have to think that two, three players could be bought for the money if they, if Rebic was to go to to Manchester. Um, moving on to. Italy and big news really, Stefano, that came through just as we were airing really, and it's, it's the story that sort of dragged on all week between Higuain, Bonucci, and, and Caldara in the mix as well. Now that deal potentially closing in, according to Sky Italia, with um, Bonucci and Caldara being in a swap deal, Higuain being a loan part of the of an agreement there as well to Milan. Um, what can you tell us more about it? And does it sound like the wheels are starting to move on this deal? Yeah, I think in the next coming days, we're definitely going to see what's going to unfold in this transfer. Um, Chelsea was always always linked with uh, Higuain and Rugani, but like you mentioned, um, it looks like Bonucci and Calder will be swapped and then Higuain on loan option. And then obviously there's a buyout fee as well. Um, there were reports that Chelsea was always was all, also interested in um, Higuain, in which they wanted uh, $60 million for him. And then Rugani, 50. So they were looking at about 100 mil between the two. Um, obviously, that I know it looks like to be uh, less of an interest as uh, Milan and Juventus want to work together on something. Um, for me, you know, they, they buy back Bonucci, which is, you know, he's a complete defender in all aspects of his game. But, um, you know, you get rid of a young midfielder like Caldera, or sorry, a defender like Caldera. Um, you know, under 20, it's Italian team, he has experience in the back um, at such a young age that, you know, I think at Milan, if he can play with Ramagnoli, it would be a good acquisition for Milan. Um, Bonucci obviously would slide back in into his old form like he was with obviously Kellini, Benatia, Barzali, if he does get in there. Um, and then obviously uh, Higuain, you know, going to Milan, obviously you know, it's they have the loan option, which they'll try to make some money on them this year, and then hopefully, you know, a buyout fee at the end of the year. So, you know, we'll see in the next coming days uh, to see what unfolds uh, with the two clubs and maybe even Chelsea in the mix as well. Yeah, because the, the wheels started to move a little bit more today with Leonardo saying that Bonucci was, was stating that he, he would like to move back to Juventus, and fair enough. But at the same time, those sort of wheels do twofold really and I want to discuss that with you um, with Stefano is that obviously Benucci going back will be a big deal but at the same time this affects a couple of defenders because if Caldara goes in this move would Juventus still um, allow Rugani to leave as well and, and lose that, that extra cover especially with him playing three at the back or will the if that move does come off with Bonucci and, and Caldara swapping places that maybe they want to hold on to Rugani even if they can get a, a sizable fee for him yeah, a player like Rugani, you know, you got to, especially, you know, at his age, he's got, you know, he's, he's got a lot of soft, you know, culture to play, as you say, in Italian. And, you know, to get rid of him, you know, it wouldn't be ideal. You know, Barzali is getting to his last, you know, couple, a year or so at Juventus. So, you know, if I were Juventus, I would definitely keep Rugani, you know, breed him as the next, you know, Cannavaro, Maldini, hopefully. And you know, sneak him into that Italian team in the near future. Um, he's young; he's got a lot of soccer to play. Um, and I would definitely—I know the fee would be huge, but you know, you go to you go to the EPL. You know, different quality of soccer. You know, will he fit in? Will he not? Is always the question when you see a City A player heading to the EPL. So, again, if I were Juventus, I'd definitely hang on to Rugani if they can. And then if, if they were to swap him for Caldera or, you know, depending on what happens, you know, Caldera is another player like Rugani, very young, 
a uh, lot to lot to learn. Um, but uh, you know, getting younger would definitely be ideal for Juventus. You know, Bonucci, 31. Barzali's getting up there. Benati as well. So you know, I think eyeing one of them, keep either keeping Rugani or getting Caldera would definitely be in their in their you know view of the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know they called the old lady, but you can't keep that going forever. I don't think really. You need to sometimes take an eye on the future, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Off onto our focus was really now, and onto France and a man, a former league man, really. It's more of a French international um, in Luca Dean, who's still at Barcelona. But there is interest from other clubs, Grant, especially heavily today. Um, one French newspaper called them the 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 other side of Liverpool, and that's maybe not their, their, their preferred way of calling Everton, but um, big interest there and a, and a big bit on the way. Yeah, we did see RMC Sport, which you know is typically a very dependable outlet coming out of France, report that Everton have submitted a formal bid to Barcelona for a fee between 18 and 22 million euros. Um, that paired with potential interest from Juventus, should Alexandro leave the Italian club, it could create quite a race for a left-back who is typically in a backup role, which would be a very interesting change of pace. Right now, Barcelona is not standing in the way of a potential departure of their French left-back. Of course, they'd prefer Digne to stay so that they don't have to scout and sign another left-back. However, they would not deny him the chance to leave for more playing time, especially considering the fact that they signed him for 16.5 million euros in 2016. So with the figures that are being rumored for the signing of the left-back, I think they'd let him leave given they'd make a profit. The case of Digne is really quite an interesting one. Um, obviously, he missed out on a spot in France's 23-man World Cup squad, which in his left-back position, that very much could have become his own position in the team. He's played for France 21 times, but because of his role in his past two clubs with Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona, he's, like I said, kind of picked up a backup or bit part role. We've seen Benjamin Mendy, who came off a major injury for Man City this year, be selected in the squad as well as Teo Hernandez, who barely a year ago wasn't even starting for either his clever country, take a spot in front of Lucas Digne. So if he were to leave Barcelona, I would imagine that it would be for more of a first-team place. Hopefully, if he does join Everton, he'd be able to displace Leighton Baines, who, of course, is 32 years old and has been kind of haunted by injuries in the last few years. Joining Everton would, of course, link him up with their new manager, Marco Silva, who, as we've seen in the Premier League, he likes to play with width and he emphasizes the use of his fullbacks in attack. We've seen that with Jose Halabas as well as Andrew Robertson. And just like those two, Digne does like to hold up the ball and is a pretty excellent passer. He is 25 years old, and if he does want to jumpstart his career and kind of get more playing time, you would have to imagine that he'd have to leave Barcelona because there's not much of a chance of him displacing Jordi Alba, who's been such a fixture in that Barcelona side for the last five, six, seven years. So if he has to look for more first-team football, he should do it now because there isn't too much time in waiting around and hoping that something else comes up. No, it's it's always been a strange one with Dean, isn't it? The the fact that he was so good at Lille when he started his career, we thought that move to Paris Saint-Germain would be the sort of kickstart of his international and European career, really. And then Kozawa came in, he then went to Barcelona, surprisingly, pretty much knowing that he would be constantly a backup to to Jordi Alba. But maybe a move does revitalise this, but you do feel, I think you're absolutely right, Grant, that... um, 
maybe this is the last chance saloon for the for the man to get uh, his his career kick started. But on to a player coming into France. Finally, we talked all last night how <laughs> players leaving, but um, uh, one we we have heard of recently, and that's Hector Herrera, um, still being linked to a move to Lyon to boost their midfield that is young, dynamic. But Herrera, a player that maybe can add a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. We've seen Lyon's midfield do very well with their young players, like we were mentioning Ndombele before, but also with Lucas Cussart and Oussem Aoua. They have a very promising midfield, as long as we can kind of keep them in Ligon for the neutrals to enjoy. The move for Herrera to Lyon could be dependent on Ndombele's future, as Herrera and Ndombele are both fairly similar players. They like to play in a box-to-box role. They're very well-rounded. And just like Ndombele, Herrera has a very good work rate. Um, regardless of Ndombele's future, however, we have seen a lot of links between him and Lyon. Um, earlier in the summer, Porto reportedly rejected a 20 million euro bid from Lyon. So you would expect that it'd have to conjure up something a little bit more substantial than that for the Mexican signature. It would be interesting to see him leave Porto because he's such a beloved figure there. He's the team captain and the club manager himself, Sergio Canseso, called him a wonderful professional, an extraordinary man and a true captain which is high praise indeed. Um, these comments came in April. So it's kind of hard to envision Herrera leaving just a few months after this declaration of love by the manager. But as we've seen, you know, lots of crazy things happens in football. Potentially Herrera will leave Porto for Lyon, but for a fee larger than 20 million euros. It'd be interesting to see if he does join up um, with Leon. But on, on to, it's not really transfer news, really, but important news nonetheless for Bordeaux fans because um, they may be up for sale or at least having eyes placed upon them, Grant. What more can you tell us about it? Yeah, this is very important news and it kind of came out of nowhere. Obviously, we've seen Bordeaux sell a number of their players in recent years, most notably Malcolm, which of course came just a few days ago. Um, Bordeaux, of course, one of Ligue and France's most historic clubs. They've been owned by a French media holding company called the M6 Group since 1999. The M6 has really overseen one of Bordeaux's most successful eras, during which they won two Ligue 1 titles, one Coupe de France, three Coupe de la Ligue, and two Trophées des Champions. So undoubtedly one of their best eras, despite the fact that, as I said, they're a very storied club. It would be interesting to see them sell the club. Um, the new owners that are reportedly swooping in for the Ligon side are a U.S.-based investment fund called General American Capital Partners, or GACP for short. GACP has no experience whatsoever, actually, in professional sports. If they do purchase Bordeaux, which is for a fee reportedly around 81.6 million euros by RMC Sport, that is kind of a low fee. Um, this would be their first venture in professional sports, so it would be interesting to see how it all unfolds. Given the mixed track record of new American owners in European football, outside of perhaps John Henry and the Fenway Sports Group in Liverpool, it's hard to be incredibly optimistic about this new ownership group. It would obviously be a real shame to see this move crumble Bordeaux. As we've discussed, they're one of the most historic clubs, and they are typically a regular fixture in Europe for France. So they represent the game well. Um, however, we do kind of have to trust M6, the previous owners, who should be selling them, if not today, in the coming days, as it seems like they really do care about the club. I mean, they've been owning the club for the last 19 years and have invested heavily with M6. Um, they helped them grow financially. They invested heavily in the impressive academy that Bordeaux now has. 
and they backed the city of Bordeaux itself in 2015 when they helped to build their state-of-the-art museum, uh, state-of-the-art stadium, excuse me. Um, so M6 would be selling the club itself for kind of the modern spending that we've seen, especially in Ligue 1 with Paris Saint-Germain and AS Monaco as well. It's been fairly outlandish, one could say, and they're having trouble keeping up with all the growing financial power of the Ligue 1 clubs. So they see or they're citing these kind of new investments made by other financial groups and new owners. And they're saying, well, if we can't do that, we might as well sell the club that we care so much about to perhaps a group that would be able to invest a little bit more into Bordeaux. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. And just to very quickly add on that, it, it was pretty much announced that, uh, this afternoon, really. There, there's some technicalities still to play out, but a lot of the club staff <laughs> have already been told um, that he, he that there will be um, new owners sort of um, within the coming days, at least anyway. But uh, it's practically over the line. But we look forward to seeing how men always new money is always interesting one way or the other. So we'll see how that seems to help leisure on Dan um, on to the Bundesliga and some interesting moves. There's was some confirmed later on and we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment, Axel, but we'll start in Dortmund who last night build remove revealed that they sort of ended their interest potentially in Mario Mandzukic. They are obviously still looking for a new striker after Batshuayi head back to Chelsea. They only really have uh, Alexander Isak on the the books at the moment. What else do we know? Not much at all, actually. Um, There's not many... I mean, there's not too many rumours, actually believable rumours about uh, strikers coming to Dortmund. Uh, The Mandzukic rumours have been kind of... I wouldn't say retracted, but it haven't haven't been have been discredited um, by sources close to Dortmund. Uh, so that doesn't seem too reasonable. It would be a good signing if it would have happened, but it seems um, far fetched at the moment. Uh, I think Hans Joachim Watzke, the um, uh, chief executive of Dortmund, stated that if they had one hundred million, they would sign Robert Lewandowski. Um, which is well a fun comment, um, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's very you know um, it won't happen. Uh, and I think that's basically the only thing we've heard about it. Uh, actually, when it comes to Dortmund, Alexander Isak is of course the only one they have right now. They just lost uh, Schürrle to Fulham, who was one of the options. Uh, they still have Maximilian Philip though, who will play a big part next season under uh, Lucien Favre. Um, there also was some rumors going on about Bachuai. Many uh, people around Dortmund want uh, want Dortmund to keep him, um, or at least loan him in for one more year. Um, that's basically it when it comes to Dortmund. It's um, they are seem to be on the lookout for a striker, but there doesn't seem to be any actual tangible rumors uh, that are that believable and um, that we should put energy into at the moment and that's the difficulty though Axel I think this is quite an interesting story that's sort of developing at Dortmund because they quite clearly need some kind of front man there unless they're going to rely on the young suite to lead the line is this a worry heading into the season for, for the black and yellow that um, without maybe not necessarily a big name striker necessarily but at least another one through the door that, that goal scoring heaven forbid for a Dortmund side who've been pretty on top of it for the last six seven years it might be in a bit of an issue Definitely. Um, I mean, they've had a very good attacker since Lucas Barrios in the, I think, 
2009. Um, and he had won at least one every year. He had Lucas Paris, then Kiel Lewandowski, and then came Aubameyang. And kind of like overlapped. Uh, but since Aubameyang left, well, Batshuayi scored a few goals, but he wasn't that reliable up top. He wasn't that kind of main man to look look to for um, uh, bags of goals, which of course uh, both Lewandowski, Barrios, and uh, and Aubameyang were. Um, so re- re- I mean, right now they are basically relying on Michael Royce, Alexander Isak, and Maximilian Philip. Uh, three very strange options. Uh, of course, Lucien Favre knows Michael Royce very very well. As he was the main man, uh, um, he was well, basically the main man in uh, Roy's um, development, and he could possibly like return Royce to a secondary striker role and play Maximilian Philip up top. Um, but it it is definitely a position of worry for Dortmund, and they they should really be on the lookout for some someone to play up top because Alexander Isak isn't good enough to start for them. If they if they want to like achieve something, and Maximilian Philip is a very unclear um, player at the moment. We we have all basically only seen him play on on the wings so far. So it seems to be very very strange to rely on him um, for the main main goal scoring of next season, uh, which Borussia Dortmund will definitely need uh, without doubt. That's the interesting thing at the moment, isn't it? It's either a trust the young striker or, or move some wingers inside and hope that the, that one can pull off a Dries Mertens. But we, we shall wait and see, depending on if some moves happen later. On, on to a, a player we've discussed earlier this week, and that's Max Meyer, who, who looked like he was on his way to Hoffenheim. I don't know if that's still the case, Axel, or is there any other clubs coming for him? Or is he still moving towards uh, heading for the final year of Union Nagelsmann? Um... Hoffenheim seem to be in for him uh, still. Uh, there seems to be some negotiations with, um, with between two parts, um, between two parties. But I think Maximize wage demands are still too high. Um, I think it was six million a year, which is um, and of course the whole Schalke debacle where his agent claimed that Maximize was upper utmost world class will probably scare some clubs away um so but it seems to be Hoffenheim seems to be leading line for him um I would suggest that possibly Leipzig could be in for him um it could be some other clubs Booster Dortmund could be in for him as well but it would be very controversial considering he's like born and bred Schalke um but Hoffenheim seems to be the main team to be in frame at the moment. However, his wage demands are ludicrous, which is why no club has picked him up yet. Which is the interesting bit of this one, really, Axel, because obviously he was linked with a lot of clubs at the start of the summer window, knowing that he was leaving Schalke because of these bully claims, the fact that he, he, he didn't change. But at the same time, last season, he had an excellent season, sort of shifting positions from sort of an attacking midfielder further back into sort of a number six role. So you, you would think that more clubs would be coming in for him, but are those wage demands and the accusations are they are they holding him back from potentially getting a bigger move that he would be seeking absolutely um max Meyer is a very good player he he had a very good season at least until march he he faded a bit at the end to get desco uh and i i think i think the whole as i said the whole debacle with schalke and his agent will uh, say agent Wittemann, has without doubt uh, damaged his 
his reputation in Germany at least, um, possibly even abroad. Uh, and after the last season, without that whole debacle with Schalke, I think he could easily have uh, gone to Arsenal or Liverpool or like a, a big English club or even even perhaps Bayern Munich. Um, he could have followed Leon Gretzka. But as it looks right now, that has generally damaged him. It has damaged his reputation. It's damaged him as a player, uh, him as a as a figure on the market. So I think his value right now has definitely gone down quite a bit. And he should adjust his wage demands um, to accommodate that. Of course, I, I don't think he will do that, though. Um, but yeah, it has definitely damaged him and his reputation in Germany and possibly even abroad, without doubt. Yeah, money corrupts all sometimes. Uh, briefly on to on some confirmed news. There's this three real transfers that we can sort of talk about in Germany at least. The the Muto deal is all but complete. The the Klaassen deal is all but complete. And also the other one today from from you've already mentioned it as well, Axel. It, Chiche Haraldes um, from Sporting Lisbon, obviously the club having their, their own issues, of course. Um, but but Frankfurt obviously picking him up. What do you think to those three deals? Um, the class and deal has the potential to be the signing of the summer. Um, they, of course, used the money from Damien Delaney, which was 25 million to go from him, I think, and spent, I think, 14 million, which is a club record fee on David Klassen, which is, a, as I said, a very good signing. I think it could be a very good signing, at least. Of course, 40 million for a club like Werder Bremen is a lot of money. Without a doubt, it's a lot of money. But I think he has the, I wouldn't not say, well, he has the potential to to do something big at Bremen and to possibly propel them into into top seven, and therefore, of course, Europe, which is their goal. Without um, a shadow of a doubt, uh, the Mutual deal is interesting because mines definitely needed to keep him I would say because they are facing the relegation threat um, and their attack has been quite I would say um, difficult to to um, to explain in the last few <laughs> the last two years because they haven't had a, a main striker since John Cordoba left uh, and Josh Nurmuto did, did well last season but he was like their own the sole uh, threat up top. So when he's left now, it seems quite stale for them. Uh, but Newcastle are definitely uh, getting a very, very good player if he does get a work permit, of course. Uh, Giralis is interesting as well. Uh, seems to be a very talented player. However, the loan deal is without a buyout clause, which many Frankfurt claim is horrible because Frankfurt, of course, experienced the, the, um, the cons of that with Jesus Vallejo, when he uh, performed uh, immensely and then just left without Frankfurt having a say about it, uh, back to Real Madrid, where he, well, since hasn't played uh, a bit. So um, I think the general consensus in Frankfurt is that we sh- they shouldn't loan anymore. They should sign players because uh, they had the money to do it. So I think Chico Grealis is a very good player, but to loan him without buy a clause seems a bit odd, I would say. Um, very odd. But he's a very talented player and would definitely improve the squad. Well, let's hope he impresses and uh, maybe can stop up some money for a change at least anyway. Um, mm-hmm. On to Serie A and a lot of news that is 
more domestic this evening, Stefano. They've sort of looked inwards rather than outwards. But far enough. I want to start with Domenico Berardi. We've we've talked about him briefly within the sort of Roma winger search, but another club is looking at the Sassuolo man as well, and that's uh, La Viola. Have had a good summer already, but um, they're looking to maybe make a move on uh, on the man um, who's been a terror terrorizing other teams for for a number of years. Yeah, well, it looks like uh, Fiorentina, according to Calcio Mercato today, um, are looking to offer Sassuolo $20 million for Berardi. Um, it was rumored that Roma were targeting him after Malcolm was swooped up by Barcelona. Um, obviously, when you sell a big player like Berardi to a small side like Sassuolo, they're trying to get every dollar they can. Um, their value for Berardi is about $30 million. Um, they're trying to get, you know, a, a bid in around 20 to 25, um, Fiorentina. Now, does Roma come in and swoop him up and maybe give him that 30 million? Uh, we'll soon find out in the next coming days. Um, you know, Berardi, Pacey on the wing, you know, he's last year he didn't have the greatest year, only four goals in uh, 32 appearances, I believe. Um, Again, you know, a player that just one of those sides that one of those players that just performed very well for Sassuolo, you know, the past two, three years, as well as Defrel, who is also interested, uh, who also was leaving uh, Roma for Sampdoria. Um, so we'll see what the situation brings. Uh, I think Berardi would definitely fit the description that Roma are looking for. Now it's just a matter of, you know, the price and who's going to soup them up. Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting one, really, because obviously Sassuolo have been able to have mm -hmm. a fair, fair amount of good wingers ready at the moment, they really. Have. With, yes, they have. With, yeah, with uh, Politano as well, obviously. With, yeah, Inter. Obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does finally get that move because Berardi's been linked to a number of times of, of having some kind of move somewhere. Juventus, AC Milan, mm -hmm. all, all sorts in the past few years. But mm -hmm. we'll wait and see him. On to, on to a man who may be staying at the club he, he's signed at. And it's not an enormous amount of surprise that Miralem Pjanic is, is wanted by Juventus. But there was rumours of an offer from Manchester City earlier this season. Supposedly they, they were offering it. Uh, they're looking for around 100 million for the for the Bosnian, but at the moment there might be more talks that he might be uh, staying in the black and white. It is. It's uh, looking towards um, you know that, that situation is going to come with a renewal. I know that Juventus. There was rumors of uh, Pogba, you know, coming back to the old lady and Pjanic on his way out. Um, that looked to die down within the last you know few days um, with the likes of Manchester City, Chelsea, Barcelona, all rumored. Uh, for you know his services, um, I think the value that Juventus put on him was a little bit too much for the clubs to go after. Um, to go after him, um, uh, rumors have it that at the end of the transfer they're going to give him that renewal, um, in which he'll earn seven million a season from the five million he was earning last season. Um, you know, he's was one of the most you know a dominant player last year for Juventus. I. Struggled a little bit with injuries, but I think with uh, Ronaldo at Juventus now, you know, that's going to be a, definitely a one-two combination. Um, you know, a Pirlo-type player, um, you know, I, th I think he's going to be a key key for Juventus moving forward, uh, especially in the Champions League and obviously the Serie A. 
Yeah, I don't think it will just be fans or Massimiliano or Gregory that will be happy that um, that he'll be staying. So a certain Portuguese man will be pretty delighted that there's someone <laughs> like him, um, exactly. much like Modric or Cruz, um, setting him up a little bit more. Uh, on to the sort of final deal tonight, and, and the one, one that's been confirmed at least, uh, I'm throwing this one at you a little bit, uh, Stefano, because I, I forgot this one in the order, which was uh, Defrel. We've mentioned him a few times last night. He has headed to Sampdoria now. He, he's sort of spell at Roma that hasn't really taken off um, ending quite abruptly but he, he did well at Sassuolo before do you think a move to Sampdoria might reignite his Serie A career? I think so I think a player like Defrel he needs playing time he needs you know time on the pitch um, he only had 20 appearances last year for Roma um, you know a player like that needs to play I know at Sassuolo he had 20 plus goals uh, 10 plus assists the year that he left Um definitely hopefully a revitalize in his career and then maybe you know joining back at the end of the season to Roma depending on you know the type of season he has he only had one goal last year so um hopefully you know a, a transfer to a smaller side like Sampdoria where you you'll see some a lot more pitch time than at Roma will definitely you know hopefully revitalize his career yeah and learn to have some excellent players around him especially uh, Fabio Carvagliorella that's mm-hmm. all that we have for this evening I do very quickly want to mention one of my favourite transfer stories of tonight and if you haven't seen it do check it out because not put out one of these classic transfer videos Aroma are a famous couple at the moment for, for doing some excellent ones but they had a little bit of a fortnight sort of mixed <laughs> up with their player the signing a signing of um, Lucas Evangelista um, with a sort of two-minute Fortnite video. It's a very strange one. I do I implore you to check it out because it, it needs to be seen to believe more than anything. But it's just another epitome of a, another crazy week in the transfer window. My thanks to Stefano, Alex, Axel and uh, Grant for their company this evening. And same to all of you at home. Uh, please do join us again on Monday. We're going to take the weekend off rightfully, so we have to rest. Now, the transfer window won't, so do keep your eyes peeled on all our Twitter feeds and everything like that, and we will be back on Monday to bring you the highlights of what has been likely been the crazy world of the transfer window. Good night.